Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, excited to be here today. We have a, a good topic, a common topic. Um, and yeah, I'm, I just won, I guess, a race. So I guess I'm, I'm buzzing on that. Okay. And to be clear, we're recording this in the past and it's actually coming out the day of nationals. So I feel like there's some people who could, uh, who could download this on like Saturday afternoon and be like, ah, oh, Glassford definitely won nationals, which is obviously the hope, but we don't, That's we don't know That's a bit yet. of a jinx. This is, it's going to be a throwdown for the masters, uh, national championships of the world. Yeah, I am pretty excited for this. This is your first year racing in the Masters category uh, up here for Canadian cross-country mountain bike nationals. The U.S. is also having their cross-country downhill and enduro nationals this week. Yeah, they try and, I think it's like Western Hemisphere, they try and align so that there isn't a lot of conflicts. You know, there was a World Cup last week, so it just gets confusing and you know, just you'd have people at ma- away at nationals all the time. So yeah, it's usually that around the 20th or so of July. Yeah, so it should be pretty exciting stuff. And then a couple World Cups, cross-country World Cups happening in the U.S. and in Canada in the next few weeks as well, uh, which is always really fun, although very difficult if you're used to the European time like time to watch. You're like, oh, good, I can get up at 6 in the morning on a Sunday and watch this cross-country race. Uh, but when they're in the States, obviously, and you're also in the U.S., it means you have to wait till the afternoon to, to watch the racing. Sure, sure. So I, I guess with that, you know, we're, our topic today, it's actually a, a very common question. I don't think it's actually that important of a question, but that doesn't mean it isn't interesting to discuss. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean that it can be done poorly either, but I, I don't think it has as much importance as a lot of, of folks think it does. And that's So maybe it is an important question, but the actual answer is that it isn't important well and sometimes i think as i get older maybe i'm just like i just don't think some of this stuff matters for most of us as much as we think it does okay so the question <laughs> uh now that we've given you this, this spicy sales sales pitch, can you guess what it is <laughs> this mystery topic yeah. we're discussing uh we are all about tapering so we've gotten a few questions whether it like we've gotten the question of Am I too tapered? Uh, am I tapered enough? I messed, uh, I messed up my taper. Please help. Uh, uh, I need help with my taper. And then this most recent one, what was the specific question? Read that. Sometimes is, I like to have a specific question. Yeah, this one is, I find I need to be a bit tired coming into races. Does that make sense? Mm, mm. And then this question goes on to talk about stage races, which I think we might get into in a few minutes. But we're going to start with sort of the more generic, just say one race kind of thing here. Yeah, so I, I don't know where, do you want me to start with my textbook stuff or not with the you textbook You did bring stuff? a textbook okay. up, so let's hit it. So, I mean, I'm not an expert at tapering by any stretch. Um, again, we, we mostly work with, you know, masters, time crunched, you know, time limited uh, folks, not Olympians. So it's not to say that there isn't uh, an art and science to tapering people for the Olympics, but I do think we always want to step back whenever we say, you know, is this good? you know, is this relevant? We want to definitely ask, you know, who am I and what am I trying to do? It's true. Whether you're talking about nutrition or any of that stuff. Literally so anything. If, literally Is anything. this good? 
who am I? What am I? Just that should be the logical thing in your head. It's okay for your friend, but who am I and what am I trying to do? Yeah. Uh, and I important. think in sports physiology in particular, we tend to take so much stuff from pros. Research is d- tends to be done on highly trained individuals. Uh, we hear from pros on podcasts like our own, on you know plenty of other podcasts, on their own Instagram. We're seeing what they're doing. Uh, and it, it, when you first think about it, it makes sense to emulate what they're doing. After all, they're professionals. They are the top of their game. Of course, you'd want to do everything just like them. But the problem is that's not realistic and that's not the case you're not doing everything just like them so often i'll start with a you know a quote-unquote textbook definition uh and then we have to you know make it specific so we can start general try and start you know i guess we could say evidence-based um so you know webster's any, dictionary <laughs> most, defines most people listening are gonna have you know a joe Friel book they're gonna have um you know the uphill athlete is a great book uh who's that steve house uh, i think is that one uh, and then, you know, we had Dan Cleather on, which is one of my favorite books, uh, is the little black book of training wisdom. It, it's a, it's general on training, but I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's a quick read and it's just so spot on that book. Uh, so Dan Cleather's book, if you don't have any books in your library, I would maybe start with Dan's. Uh, if you're, if you're a cyclist, uh, you know, the mountain biking training Bible from Joe Friel, the cyclist training Bible, uh, or I actually often send people to the triathletes training Bible cause it's a, a recently updated Joe Friel book that has a couple different sports in it, but has some really great stuff that he's updated on mental aspects and I think nutritional aspects and also weightlifting, uh, you know, strength training. So the other book that I really like, and it's actually in a second edition. So if anyone gets it, I'd love to borrow the second edition off them, but I have the first edition and it's David Joyce and uh, Daniel Lewidin's High Performance Training for Sports. Um, and it's just a great general book. Again, there's everything from strength training to team training to mental aspects to my favorite chapter, of course, is the cross training chapter, which we've actually talked about on, on the show before. Uh, but I opened this up this morning. Molly said, we're going to do the peaking tapering question. And I said, well, there's a chapter in this Joyce book. So Gregory Half, this is, uh, he's a PhD, so Dr. Gregory Half has a chapter 22 as peaking for competition in individual sports. Uh, and it's a great big chapter, but I thought I'd just read the general guidelines at the end so that we sort of set, you know, this idea of, of tapering. Should I do a definition too, or what do you think? I was going to say, I mean, let's just maybe start quickly by saying tapering is sort of what you're doing leading into a race. It's, uh, typically where you're dropping down your training, whether it's in volume intensity, uh, just so that way when you hit the race, you are quote unquote feeling fresh. Uh, but of course, as we're going to get into, there's a lot of nuance behind the best way to taper. Obviously, uh, if it was super simple, we would all just take an off week the week before the race, but it's not that simple. Yeah. So I'll just read this one little bit here. So we have a textbook definition, uh, elevation of performance is often referred to as peaking because the athlete's overall performance capacity is elevated to its highest level. Traditionally, a peak is achieved by a reduction in overall training loads at key predetermined times dictated by the competitive calendar contained in the athlete's annual plan. This reduction in training load is referred to as a taper. We're tapering down. And if your eyes just cross during that, you're not the only one. So there you go. Peaking and tapering. So sort of the same thing, but like a little different, right? The tapering is referring to the reduction in, in load. So load is volume times intensity. Um, you know, we're reducing the total load and then the peaking is what we're hoping to get it or that we're hoping to have a really peak performance. And it does say in the chapter, you know, how much do you think it, the peaking gives us, you know, what are the possibilities? Ooh, uh, here's where I'm going to use my favorite phrase of it depends. 
it, it it's like the science this is a great chapter but the science is just like really wide on this you know how long does it need to be well between one and six weeks you know or, or zero and you know so and then it's like the benefit they didn't even list the negative benefit but i'm pretty sure there would be negative benefit but it's zero to eight percent so it, it's just pretty wide um but i'll get to the general guidelines and just so we're quick create an indiv- individualized progressive nonlinear taper model reduce your volume by 40 to 60 percent of the pre-taper volume so that's our hours you know, we're going to reduce it by about half by the time you get to the race. So that for a lot of us might be just the week of, again, it could, the taper period sort of seven to 10 days. I think they have listed here, eight, eight to 14 days. So that's about a week for a lot of us. Um, if there's greater fatigue, you might need to taper a bit more or longer. Uh, and you might need to reduce even more, right? If you're up at like, for some reason, doing 40 hours a week, you might need to reduce it perhaps more. Um, use moderate to high training intensities during the taper period to help avoid uh, detraining effects. Maintain the frequency, which I, I find that, I think that's my favorite part of the taper, or the thing I try and focus on the more, is you don't want to ruin the routine. So frequency to me means routine. So if you train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, five, you want to keep that, even though the Wednesday long ride maybe gets shorter, the Sunday long ride certainly will get shorter for most people. Um and then, yeah, I mentioned the, the sort of eight to, so one to two weeks using that. So again, that is Joyce's uh, high performance training for sports. Great little manual. If you're looking for something to, <laughs> it's a tough read because it is a textbook, but there's so much value in that book. I often will just be like, I need to know about this <laughs> and I open it up. So let's get into tapers. Okay. So here's, here's the problem as, as I see it is that if we're talking about sort of our busy athlete population, which is most of our listeners, uh, or at least based on the people I've talked to who listen to the show, uh, most of us are are pretty busy and are not training more than, say, 10 hours a week. And I'd say 10 hours a week is like a pretty high volume athlete for the people that, you know, we typically are are seeing. So we have, you know, our training load is around 10 hours a week. and Our training hours. Hours. Yeah. And I'd actually even say during racing season, a lot of people are dropping it even lower naturally because they're racing almost mm-hmm. every weekend. And they're traveling to or recovering for or recovering from. So if we if we start adding that 50% uh, decrease in our, our training hours, pretty soon we're training for like 30 minutes a week uh, right. plus races every Which, which seems logical, but you, you'll have two types of people. You'll have the type of people who ignore the fact that we're now in the competition period and they try to keep going with their accumulation period or what you might call a base in cycling we call this a base often but i like steve house talks about it this way accumulation and then utilization so at some point and this is dan john's park bench bus bench it's all the same stuff right base build accumulation utilization i like this idea that we built your fitness and then you use it however you want but like it's not you know little bits we can squeak in a little bit of like you know, maintenance uh, accumulation. But once you're in the bus bench, the I'm using too many terms here, but once you're in the utilization, once you're in the competition phase, that's the focus. You're using the fitness. Um, what did you have on that? <laughs> <laughs> I got off on a rant about the phases, but that's, well, you, you said, oh, you're losing fitness. Yeah. You're recovering. You're not, you're not, your hours are not. Well, at some point you're just ne- you're never training because you're always tapering, and this is a lot of people. Whether you're doing like a race series, so there's races most weekends. Um, I think this becomes a, a pretty big issue when you have ten races on the calendar. You're basically always tapering. well, and I like this book because it, it it as you say most stuff's focused on Olympians, so they do say that like you probably don't 
need this if you're, you know, this is for Olympics or, you know, maybe a nationals or something like that. Right. And even that, I would argue, you know, if you look at most of the top people, there are a few people who pulled out of the last World Cup in Andorra because nationals were the next weekend. But I would say a lot of the heavy hitters actually raced that World Cup and are now going to come back and they're racing nationals six, five, six days after racing at altitude. Mm -hmm. So with a flight, with a flight. Yep. So this is, you know, when we talk about tapering, while we say it is a thing Olympians do, it's also a thing that Olympians skip a lot of the time in their normal season. Well, and and let's back up because the nationals are not their a race you know it's important right. in their schedule but again they need to be careful because they're also going to have a world they're, they might have at the beginning of the season there was uh, a pan am games i think um so right. there's these games right so uh, you know maybe for our junior athletes this year we have canada summer games and it is a, a games so, so maybe this would be sort of relevant but it, again we need to look at the who right is this does it really even make a difference for a kid i, I don't know again right. <laughs> i sometimes feel like i just am like i <laughs> I just keep doing what you're doing, you know? So I think for most people, I would say most races, most people, you probably don't really need to taper other than maybe just not doing an epically long ride or run the weekend. Sure, before. sure. And again, it seems like common sense. But again, that's that's sort of the idea. It might look more like a, a recovery week, you could say. Um, you know, or if you look at Joe Friel's book, he calls these, you know, C priority. Uh, or, or maybe a B priority, depending on how you'd go about it. But C priority, you sort of just train as normal. And then instead of doing your weekend hard ride, you race. Um, so that would be C priority. And then B priority usually means that that week is sort of lighter. Uh, you know, again, where we're maybe doing that one week, you know, I guess you could call it a taper, but it's you're just taking a lighter week. Um, and, and so for me, a lot of times that's a little shorter on the endurance rides, which are most of the rides. You know, maybe there's a couple 30 minute spins in there. This could just be going for errands or, you know, riding to the beach even. Right. Um, and then midweek, you want to try and do like a burner workout, like something, you know, whatever gets you ready for racing um, it, during the season. Maybe it's not as much of a, you know, you know, anaerobic, like tapering type workout. It could just be three by 10, depending on what time of the year you are and how important the race is. But, you know, you get your interval because we want to maintain the intensity and the frequency. And then you race on that Saturday or Sunday. And, and usually that's what it looks like. Um, but pretty quickly, you know, to your point, like people end up pre-riding, you know, once or twice sometimes, you know, and then they're racing, you know, it just, it ends up being like, there's not a lot of other time in the week. A lot of those other rides are just sort of spins. Yeah. So, Maybe we can kind of address the, like, how do I know I've over tapered? Yeah. And that's maybe what that, the main question we had was, you know, I like to be a little fatigued. And, and so if we looked at who that, that person was, you know, based on their fitness, it's, it's sort of this idea that we're often not the same, you know, what worked in the past might not work now. Right. So if you in the past have been someone who goes away in the winter and trains and, you know, you get your CTL, this is that TSS number, your average over the last six weeks, who are you on an average day? And if you, you know, are training by TSS, you know, a hundred, you know, that's your average, then you're a pretty fit person. Coach Kevin Sims here in, in Ontario gave me that number. He said a hundred, you know, once you're at a hundred and I, I think he just threw it away. I don't know where he even got it, but I, I think that holds out that most people who are like at a hundred or plus, you know, or I've touched that during the season, we don't hold this stuff year round. Again, that's the person who tries to accumulate the whole season. 
uh, you're pretty fit, but most of us are not there. So this person who asked that specific question, you know, they were down in the twenties and thirties and they weren't riding. The frequency wasn't very high, right? They were frequency limited. So for them, I'm not surprised that they actually like should train normally because if they stop training, they're going to taper to zero. Does that make sense? If you reduce from 20 or 30 CTL or 20 or 30 CTL is like you ride 20 minutes on average a day, 30 minutes average a day, maybe, right? So I think when you think about it, that like, like that was your initial point. Like if you're only doing five hours and you taper pretty quickly, you're not, you're just racing. Your race, yeah, ta- exactly. your race probably takes two hours. What do you, you know, you're going to drop, we said 50% taper, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the race. And, and that's reality for some folks, right? Maybe you get a little spin midweek and then you race and, and that could be, that's life. And that's maybe your taper. That's, but that's life. It's not optimal training. Sure. Yeah. You, ideally again. And I think it just, if from a lot of people, I think if you could just spin most days of the week, you'd, you'd probably be okay. I don't think it, again, the complicated of like, do I need to do like seven by 1.5, you know, minutes, you know, anaerobic. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I do think one thing you read out loud there from the book was pretty interesting. The idea of keeping some speed work, some high intensity in. And I think a lot of people, that's actually what they want to nix for the taper week. Uh, because mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's the hard part. Uh, I like skipping that. Um, but it seems like it does have a place. Is that something? you Well, and I think in? so that we talked, had this specific question. I think that is a big piece because the, the trouble with the taper peaking idea is that you're forgetting. You're just thinking about an athlete as like TSS numbers, you know, or weekly hours or whatever you tabulate. Uh, you're definitely tabulating. <laughs> um, but there's a person behind that usually. And usually that person's pretty nervous and like wired up, you know, slash maybe a little addicted to, to training. Uh, you know, and I use that loosely, the word addicted, but you know, they go, if you tell someone not to ride, who's like rolling pretty well and nervous about a race, you can see them being a little concerned, (laughs) right. And starting to doubt themselves. And it's always a balance of like, we don't need to prove that you can finish your race every day of the week. You don't need to do a hundred miler every day of the week. You don't need to do your 90 minute XC race every day of the week. You don't need to do your cyclocross race every day of the week, but there's a balance there. And so I think if you drop that midweek intensity out then they start doubting themselves and and, you know i've seen this described as you know you you need to taste blood before the race that's what you know sometimes we talk about that's a little disgusting um but you know i'd say blowing the carbon out or blowing the smoke out and that's a good reason to do a race the week or two before you know as an opener race you often again in the joe friel book i think that's actually the advice in it is like don't go into an a race without racing soon there before and this is more for shorter stuff but I think even a longer person, a longer a person who is racing longer, might do something a little racy the week before, so that they have they're not as nervous, right? They're, they're, we've modulated the the psychology piece of it. I like doing things that are a little racy. A little racy. A little racy. <laughs> uh, no, and I mean it, it, that does extrapolate to the longer stuff. Before my hundred miler, three weeks earlier, I did a six hour, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the first race I'd done in a couple of years, and that was why I did it because I hadn't been racing for a while. Right. And so this looks again at, you know, your volume's fairly high, your load is pretty high uh, for running. And so what did, what would the week before, like, you, you know, there's the traveling. So that nixes a couple of days usually. Uh, what else do you recall? Like, did you do intervals or what was like even the weekend before? No, I had strides the week before. Um, my 
Yeah, I'm trying to think for this last one, the 80K, it's been kind of awkward going into these last couple of races, actually, because the week before the 80K, I had Western States where I was pacing my friends. So that was, you know, a 25 mile the weekend before, which was not the ideal tapering situation. Um, that would typically if I was tapering, it would be more like a, a 12 mile and then a 10 mile like Saturday, Sunday, which is sure. a slightly shorter version of my normal long runs. And then. During the week, it would probably, instead of having a workout on Wednesday, it would just be some more strides on Wednesday and then strides on Tuesday, Thursday, too. Uh, and then just a couple miles Friday. Actually, normally I would have like the option of not running on Friday. The day um, before, you mean? Or not the day before, just any Friday is usually an optional oh. run day, like an optional short day. Mm -hmm. But with a race, I'm usually supposed to do a couple miles the day before. Like we're talking two to four miles. Yeah, we're not talking that long. errand run. And I do, I, I as much as it says frequency maintained, I almost think that in the if we were going to do anything different, in, in, you know, the, well, if we call this the working person's peak, I almost think for a lot of us trying to get the frequency up, and I find this because of, you know, we run a fair bit and I count hikes sometimes and we have strength in there. So what I try and do is get more specific and like on my bike every day and sometimes twice a day. And again, none of these are remarkable. A lot of them, you know, my midweek workout, I think is pretty good sometimes. Uh, but I try and, you know, just be in that environment more. And I think probably with the running, there's, there's a piece to that. You just got to be careful with the, the loading maybe, right? Yeah, exactly. But you're dropping your volume so much that now you're actually like giving, I, I would see the idea being that like no run is that fatiguing but you're running more. So you're, you're like, okay, yeah, I can still run. I can still yeah, run. Yeah, exactly. And you're maybe f warming, running long enough that you feel good. Like you warm up long enough. And then like, sometimes that's a good rule. Like you warm up till you feel good and then you, you shut it down. Uh, with running, they have that, right? Those first Ks are usually a little rough. Yeah, yeah. There's there's rarely a run where the first mile feels fantastic. Okay, so that's, again, when we're talking, what are you trying to do? This is also important, right? Like, I'm racing a 90-minute race that if I'm not, in, you know, at or near the front of that race in the first, you know, 10 seconds, 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 5 minutes, then, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to win it, right? So this is a pretty anaerobic, you know, sharpness, you know, needs to be pretty spot on, you know, arousal, aggression needs to be spot on. Whereas a 100-miler, it's probably not, quite as important to you know just the, the first the first miles are not as important to be super yeah, aggressive you, you say that but i recall you at 6 a or 5 30 in the morning before my race when i was like telling you i was you know nervous and like oh gosh all these women have done these before and blah 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 and you were just like if you don't go out with the leaders well you go out with them i mean they're walking. Come on. How hard can it be? <laughs> they were not. Let the record show. Okay. Okay. So we introduced, or I mentioned this working person speak. So we, that's probably good unless I forgot something on that line of thought we were on. So working person speak, this is what I try and send to most of my clients, you know, in, in response to this idea that we need to do all this fancy tapering is that you're going to travel to the Leadville 100. So that's going to, that's going to kill two days probably. Then you're going to be, you know, at altitude you know, and then we're gonna have to take a few days easy. So, you know, it just by nature of once you start putting those things in the calendar of like, okay, we're traveling, uh, we're whatever, right? We're getting work ready. We have to get our family ready. You probably just keep training as best you can, you know, and, and some of the stuff is going to take care of itself and just don't try and cram stuff around that. Yeah, you're just kind of naturally going to be dropping the training hours regardless. And, and you brought this up when we were sort of making our notes for this episode is in line with this. And I think stage races, mountain bike stage races, you know, I've seen this at like a Green Mountain road stage race, too. 
you also have this working person's peak where if you can get away from work and your family, nothing, there's nothing wrong with them. We love your family. But we you have tasks with all this. So what we actually see is if you just, again, maintain, be a bike rider, go out and do your training as you would, you, you know, as you would regular training, you know, not too hard, nothing new. But you remove some of that, you know, take the garbage out. You didn't get to sleep all last night. You know, you have to be up for work at 6 a.m. and then to swimming for 7 p.m. You know, if some of that stuff gets pulled out, and I've seen this, our, our good friend John Barnes, who I've coached now for a lot of years and has been many time master champion uh, in XCO, I've watched him. He's been away with us for a week or two, and, you know, he's just somehow he gets like 10% faster just by, you know, being away from, you know, just we basically ride, eat. And it's the cliche, right? You're doing the thing. You're really. And so for the working person's peak, the best thing I think you can do for yourself is set that travel. You know, if you can a week, you know, we talked about it with the altitude, you know, they say seven to 10 days is probably the shortest you want to go for a quote unquote ideal. I think you probably just do that for every race, right? Uh, You know, even if it's just part of the way to the race or something, you slowly make your way to it. Uh, You know, if you're driving out to Colorado or Kansas or any of these bucket list races. Yeah. And it's funny. I was both. So there was an article in the New York Times last week, and then I was actually just interviewing Kristen Faulkner, who's going to be racing in the Tour de France uh, Femmes of X-Zwift next week, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, She just won two stages of the Giro Dawn. So she we've actually had her on the podcast before. She's a former venture capitalist turned professional bike racer, and she balanced the two. She worked and was a pro bike racer for uh, a solid year. And then she actually left her job at the venture capital firm to go full time pro. And what she was talking about is she did not realize the mental toll, like the mental toll that working was taking on a recovery because she would think, okay, I'm not riding. So, you know, the day before a race, okay, I can just do a normal day of work and my legs are up. It's totally fine. Um, But now that she's actually had a year where she isn't working at the same time, she realized, oh, right. Like this is a huge boost. So even a couple days off of work versus a couple days off the bike, I would say like the week in the days leading up to the race, I think you're actually going to get better bang for your buck taking lower work days than you would taking lower riding days. Uh, and the New York times article was talking about this uh, family from Norway who has just amazing middle distance runners. And the one was saying, if you can go to school while you're training to like be middle distance for the Olympics, you're not training hard enough. Like your workouts aren't going well enough that you can actually do your homework and still be doing this training. Mm -hmm. Like you have too much, (laughs) you're too recovered. You're not going hard enough in your training. Interesting. Cause I mean, I I always think about Catherine Penderell and Keith uh, Wilson, her, her spouse there who, uh, gave me the advice that, you know, there should, you should be able to see a glimmer of success while doing work in school you know, that you can compete at that level. Uh, Sure. But I think it's when you try to hold on to both things for too long. Well, and I think it's the difference in you can get whatever the percentage is, let's say 90%, but it's probably more than that. You know, you can probably get 95% of the way there, but you know, to be in that top 1% of the world, if not higher, you know, it's definitely like, that's an all encompassing pursuit. Uh, and that's not what most, again, I guess to our, how we started this, you know, the tapering stuff is just that, that, uh, Steven Seiler would call it like the icing on the cake or the, the cherry on top. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just not what most of us are, are doing, right. But we can probably learn from different aspects of this, uh, with, you know, the working person's peak, right. To your point, you yeah. know, so you're like going to have less mental fatigue. Yeah. So yeah, my takeaway would be like, uh, 
not thinking as much about the physical tapering and thinking more about the mental tapering. Like, can you not be working the day before your race? Can you actually just chill out, watch a movie, mm-hmm. like get your stuff ready? Well, in journal and out, we've talked about, you know, I used to do like a back burner list of just things that I tried to just get out of my brain, you know, on the Thursday or Friday beforehand. And, you know, if you can put them into the calendar for after the race, so that it's not on your mind, you know, when your mind starts trying to play tricks on you during the race, uh, or you're trying to sleep. Um, you know, and, and probably if you're not traveling to these races and, and your big race is more of a local race or nationals is, you know, under an hour from our home, this might just be, you know, you have a new baby at home or I have a client who just got a new puppy. Uh, you know, it might be trying to sleep somewhere else in the house and, you know, asking your spouse to take care, you know, for that night and you'll trade off and, you know, pay it back hopefully in the, say, the weeks after, pay it forward. uh, or forward. Yeah. You could do it ahead of time too. Um, but that's, that's it. And this is where that planning, the periodization of the season for a working person, there's a lot of different things aside from just the TSS and the FTP that everyone talks about. It's all these little planning elements and all these little mental or, uh, tactical elements, uh, that that are going to give you that extra, what did we say it was? Zero to 8%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you're fighting for with these, right? And so it, it's not nothing. You know, most races are only won by a few percent, if, if that. Uh, but it is it is worth sort of putting a bit of time and effort into. Yeah. Um, so any any feelings on that, like a little bit tired coming into races? Like what the, what the deal is there? Well, I was going to say, it would be interesting to see yours... Uh, especially this one that you said, you know, your 50 mile, you said you maybe you did too much in the week before, just by the way the schedule was, which is, you know, you basically had to race the week before. And that was straight up. Like I'll say that was not mileage. That was the issue. That was sleep. That and was the issue and, and travel. Yep, yeah. Yep. Cause the mileage was like a pretty like low stress, 25 miles. Like, right. So maybe not that far off of what you would do. I mean, I get into this trap sometimes too, where it's, it's not a big deal, but you do wonder, you know, did you, you, you miss the like speed that you would have done your 10 mile or 20 mile or at, um, you know, and is that an equal trade-off, right? Like it, it probably was about as even the TSS might've been similar for your, cause you were pacing at the end of, uh, Karen's hundred mile, right? So she can be forgiven. She wasn't, you know, setting huge, uh, pace miles, you know, relative to your fresh 10 miler the week before your race. Um, and that's just the way your season, again, this is where they're just races, right? It wasn't the world championships of your life, uh, uh, but anyhow, I was, I said, I'd be interested to see what your freshness was, however we calculate that. Uh, and all that saying is versus your six weeks prior, was that week before about the same as the average, right? If we looked at that, and that, that's all TSS, when TSS looks at the acute training load versus the chronic training load. So that's your CTL versus your ATL or your, your fitness versus your fatigue in, in the training peaks environment, um, strictly based off of your hours and the intensity. I'm curious to know, uh, you know, how, how fresh you were. Do you have any idea? Like, do you think they were about the same? Uh, I would say I was less fresh, but that was less about the mileage and more about the, the sleep situation. Mm-hmm. I had a friend actually say she wished I was wearing an aura ring or something to like, see what I see, what my like fatigue and HRV and stuff was that week. And I was like, I am so glad I didn't have that on because I'm pretty sure if I'd seen it, I would have been like, well, I'm not racing. Well, and it's, it's interesting, right? With any of this, you know, we love the HRV for training and Marco, um, for our app. That's what we use generally, uh, on the phone there for tracking HRV and subjective measures as well, which is the big thing I try and sell with HRV for training. Uh, but even with Aura Ring, you know, a lot of what we'll see is actually the disruptions come more from the drinking too much, the, 
not sleeping all night on a plane, getting stressed because of work, right? A lot of times, especially if you're training consistently and have a pretty good, you know, we'll say aerobic base, a good, you know, fitness score in training peaks, you train a lot most days. There's not a lot of disruptions for training, which is actually what you want. Marco always tries to drive this home. Like you're not trying to increase the HRV every single day. You actually, it's trying to say you're at your normal proceed. And then if you're not at your normal higher or lower, then you should pay attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I guess to your point, then this person wants to be, you know, a little tired, a little tired. And so in in strictly textbook, you know, what they say often, you'll, you can look up the TSS and the, the, what they recommend for that. Right. And it's usually somewhere between negative 10 and and positive 15, which is really saying (laughs) we don't really know. It varies a lot between people. And that's, again, that's this week, the week of the race that we're maybe tapering, how how does it compare to the the six weeks prior, the month and a half prior? That's really what that's you know in very simple terms. That's what that's saying. Um, often it's a little less the week of the race for all the reasons we said. You travel, you take a day off, uh, you do a couple light spins, you do pre riding isn't a big deal, and then you race right. So often on the day of the race you're going to be in a positive. This is the third number with the TSS stuff. This is the form number or what's called training stress balance TSB it's in the positive. So we said positive 15 is like a rough mulligan number they put forth. All that's saying is that you took it a little easy the week of the race, right? (laughs) Uh, So it's not that complicated. So I do think, and I think that this is in a few different places, you'll see that for longer events, generally you you probably are more on that you know, zero, maybe a bit negative. And that's all this person is saying is that they, they wanted to keep training. The catch with this person is that they weren't training very much beforehand. We're not talking about that person up in the hundreds, you know, they're, you know, on average training two and a half to three hours a day. This person is training, you know, 30 to 60 minutes a day, maybe, but taking a bunch of days off as well. So for them, I would say just keep training and, and try and be as familiar with that bike and the speed of the bike, the technical aspects of the bike. That's what I find is, is so hard to come into these races not training very much is that you just are shocked especially for off-road stuff how fast stuff comes up right and most people this is why we should be training specifically on our off-road bicycle doing intervals where there's a corner where we need to navigate where we need to keep our head up where we need to break because at race speed and this is true of crits right if you never go around a crit corner with you know 100 of your closest friends at 50 kilometers an hour it's pretty unnerving um which gets into that you know there's a lot more to performance showing up on the day and doing a thing and telling people about it than just your tss wattage numbers and hours so i don't know did that you know it's probably fine i think this person tested it out and and where they are right now for fitness they they need to keep training and that you know not not back off hugely yeah exactly and i mean i think this is a this is a personal thing though because someone else could have said i find i can't be tired coming into races or i don't perform well and so much of it is just psychological for sure Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh obviously you know lack of sleep really takes a toll but for most people we're not talking about an extreme like lack of sleep we're talking about just feeling a little bit tired out from whether it's training or work or life i would say for me if i sleep it'll be fine Mm-hmm. it doesn't even really again it's it the thing is it doesn't matter except for that like i tr- i do ride my bike most days um but I, I honestly think if if i get sleep gets thrown off um yeah you're a wreck it's a big piece uh, but what i was trying to say is this is where that like post-race journaling thing really comes in handy the how tired did you feel before you went in how did the race go uh, you know, then you can kind of look back and see, oh, okay, like the races seem to go really well when I'm not feeling tired at all. Mm-hmm. So, okay. 
I do need to take the the sleep and the tapering and all of that a bit more seriously. And then someone who enjoys that feeling of being a little more tired and finds that it actually does help their results. Okay, business as usual. And we had a young racer there come up to us and, and say, you know, his legs, he felt tired in the morning. Um, and then he went on to describe his week, right? And it was like a weekly race with four laps. And, and that was on the Thursday. So that's, you know, Thursday and then the race was on Sunday. So that we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but then he would have been pre-riding at least one day. And the course is very muscular for mountain biking. So you get this pre-ride thing where people want to, you know, master the course, but they do so many laps and they're out in the sun. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, in the last four days, you've trained way more than you probably usually do. You probably, you know, a lot of people aren't climbing at all. Uh, they live in flat areas or whatever, right? They maybe aren't riding their mountain bike more than once a week. And then this, this, racer maybe did three to four days again we don't know what he did on the friday i don't recall uh but that's at least three days of big climbing and then that means that the watts are up right and then lots of muscular tension lots of muscular fatigue so it's you just have to be careful with the timing all of this and Um, that's fine if his goal was to have like a really hard little block there to prep for something i guess but like that gets to like why like that's a race if you're gonna race Mm -hmm. um you know, there just isn't a scenario where, you know, I, I'm trying to, because this gets into this, like pretending to peak, like, what do you, you know, I, I don't think so. I'm not criticizing this person, but, um, you know, this is the idea that like, if you're going to race on the Sunday, then it might mean not racing on the Thursday or doing the easy race or, you know, just doing the start and then like easing, you know, just, you know, it, it takes discipline. I, and, and that's, I guess the heart, you know, I don't know if we have a lot more on, on peaking, but the thing about racing or performance we'll say showing up on a day doing a thing and telling people about it so this could be your fitness test that your coach is going to see the weekly race that people are going to see at uh or an uh, you know we'll say a real race on the weekend uh, not that weekly races can't be big deals there's a big mental aspect there's the nerves and then there's also the sitting around and waiting and the sitting around and waiting i'm as bad as anyone and probably didn't do as well in my career as i could have done but there's a lot more to the peaking is just sitting around being bored waiting for the race right Mm -hmm. yeah so with that in mind i guess go forth and taper appropriately and of course if you have questions about your taper for your big race you can definitely book a phone consult peter is always happy to chat about all this stuff look at your training maybe offer some personalized suggestions based on where you're yeah i'll, your I'll try i try at. not say i don't know it probably doesn't matter uh too much but sometimes that's a good answer too right that like what you're doing is is going to just be fine and, and be confident in it which is so much of this psychological aspects right are, are just being confident in the thing you're doing uh and owning it uh but yeah phone consults are a good way to do it and then honestly a plan like just having a plan that you know often we'll practice a little bit of these like openers molly said she did strides and you know we do basically the same thing on bikes four to five by 30 seconds the day before the race or whatever it is um yeah sometimes a plan just takes some of this thinking out of it as well so the three-month plans are a, a great option Perfect. All right. And you can find all of that over at consummateathlete.com. And of course, if you like this episode, please do us a huge favor, rate, review, subscribe, etc. It is super, super helpful. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have an excellent weekend and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 